Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress Storytime. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. My family moved a lot when I was a boy. My favorite place to live, though, was Sharpsville, Pennsylvania. We lived out in the country on a farm. And my favorite thing to do was to go follow the deer and find where they slept at night. They would leap to their feet and off they would run. And then we'd chase them again until we found them grazing, following their tracks. We followed the raccoon tracks to see where they went. We followed the possum tracks. But the rabbits were the ones I really loved. And my neighbor liked to trap rabbits in boxes. And then he would come and capture the rabbit, dump it into a bag. He would kill them and cook them for dog food. So we didn't like that. So my brother Don and I would go out before he went to see what he'd caught. And we would open the traps and we'd let all the rabbits run free. He didn't like that, but he never caught us doing it. (laughs) I learned something. I learned that every path led somewhere. There was a river path that would lead me down along the river where we would fish and swim. There was another path that took us back through the woods to a creek, and there we would fish. There was another path that led to our neighbor's Every path led somewhere. Sometimes a path would be dead end, but usually it took us to a place we already were familiar with. But now, as an adult, I've also learned that every path takes you somewhere. Some paths will take you to jail. Some paths will take you to death with drugs. Some paths will take you to trouble with mom and dad. Some paths will take you to the principal's office, where I often had to go as a young man. Every path takes you somewhere. Now, the story that we're sharing, Pilgrim's Progress, is Christian knows that he's in trouble. He has read in the book that he holds, which is the Bible, that his city is going to be burned with fire. And it begins to tell him why it will be burned with fire. And that is because of all the things he's doing wrong, the trouble he's in, the way he treats people. The book tells him he's going to be burned to death, he and his family. He's very concerned about that. And as he learns more and more about what sin is, it loads on his back. So the picture I showed you last week, here's Christian. See if I can get it right. There it is. He has a bad, heavy pack on his back. He's dirty. He's fallen into the swamp of despond. He's wet. He's miserable. As he goes along, he meets this very finely dressed man, Mr. Legality. 
let's pick it up. Now, Christian was rather taken back by everything that Mr. Worldly Wise Man told him, but he presently concluded that if what the old gentleman said was true, then his wisest course was to take his advice. After reflecting on the matter for a moment, Christian spoke up. Sir, which way do I go to this honest Mr. Legality's house? Oh, do you see the hill? Yes. Do you see Do you see the path that leads around the hill? Oh, yes. Well, follow the path around the hill, and the first house you come to is his house. So Christian left his path to go to Mr. Legality's house for help. Now, let's stop for a minute. Are you on the right path? Are you in trouble with mom and dad? Are you in trouble at your work? Are you in trouble with Jesus? Because you left the narrow path, and now you go on your own path, making your own way. Do you know where your path will take you? It's best to know where you're going before you go. Or you may run into the fire. Or a lion may eat you. As Christian neared the hill, he was struck by how high and foreboding the hill seemed to be. One side of the hill hung over the path that wound its way around it, and Christian feared that the overwhelming and overhanging hill would fall on him. Filled with fear, Christian stopped his journey and stood still, wondering what he should do. His burden also now seemed heavier to him than it was just a moment before, the moment before he'd taken this detour path off the path the evangelist had instructed him to follow. Flashes of of fire came out of the hill, and Christian was afraid that he would be burned. Christian began to sweat and quake with fear. He was sorry that he'd taken Mr. Worldly Wise Man's counsel. It was when he was thus filled with regret that he saw evangelists coming to meet him. At the sight of him, Christian began to blush in shame. Evangelists drew nearer and nearer to Christian, and looking at him with a severe and dreadly and a dreadful countenance, he began reasoning with Christian. What are you doing here, Christian? he asked. Hearing these words, Christian did not know how to answer and stood speechless before him. Aren't you the man whom I found crying outside the walls of the city of destruction? Yes, sir, I am the man. Evangelist asked, didn't I direct you to the way that leads to the small sheep gate? Yes, sir, said Christian. How is it then that you have so quickly turned aside? For you are no longer following the way I showed you. Christian explained. After I'd gone over the swamp of despond, I met a gentleman who persuaded me that I might find relief from my burden from a certain man in the village that lives 
up ahead. Well, who was he? Christian went on. He looked like a gentleman, and he talked to me and got me at last to yield. So I came here. But when I saw this hill and how it hangs over the path, I suddenly stopped my journey, fearing this mountain would fall on my head. What did this gentleman say to you? Why, he asked me where I was going, so I told him. And what did he say then? He asked me if I had a family. I told him I did, but that I'm so pressed down with a burden that's on my back that I cannot take pleasure in them as I once did. And then what did he say to you? Christian continued. He told me to quickly get rid of my burden, and I told him it would... I told him it was the ease of this burden that I sought. Then I told him that I was going to the small sheep gate up ahead to receive further direction on how I might get rid of this heavy pack on my back. So he said he would show me a better way, a shorter way, and one without the difficulty of the way in which you sent me. He then said, I will direct you to a gentleman who has the skill to take off your burden. So I believed him and turned from the way you sent me into this path in order that I might find relief from my burden. But when I came to this place and I saw how dangerous things are, I stopped in fear. Now, I don't know what to do. Then said Evangelist, Stand still for a while so that I may show you the word of God. So Christian stood trembling. And then Evangelist said, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. He also said, Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draws back, God's soul will not be pleased with him. Evangelist then explained to Christian, You are the man who is running into this misery. You have begun to reject the counsel of the Most High and to draw back your foot from the way of peace, even almost to your own destruction. Then Christian fell down at Evangelist's feet as if he were dead, crying, Woe, woe is me, I am undone. When Evangelist saw this, he lifted him up with his right hand and said, Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, people. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Christian regained some of his strength and stood up trembling before Evangelist. Then Evangelist proceeded, saying, Give earnest attention to the things I'm going to tell you. I will now show you who it is that deluded you, to whom it was that he would send you. The man you met is named Mr. Worldly Wise Man, and he is well-named because he loves only the doctrine of this world. He always goes to the town of morality to attend church. He loves that doctrine best because it keeps him away from the cross. 
And because he is this fleshly disposition, he tries to direct poor sinners away from the path to which I send them, even though it is the only right path. Now, there are three things in this man's counsel that you must utterly hate. One, he's convincing you to leave the right path. Now, let me stop just a moment. You will meet many people who will try to send you from the right path. They'll say, try these drugs. Try this drink. Let's go to this place or let's go to that place. He will do everything he can to seduce you off of the right path. And today, the right path is not the video games that are filled with violence and hatred. If you're playing those video games, you have been deceived. A false person has introduced you to that violence. God hates violence. God is a man of peace, of joy, of happiness. The second thing you must utterly hate is his effort to make the cross of Jesus repulsive to you. And three, he is sending you on the way that leads to death. You see, there is a way that leads to death, and there is a way that leads to happiness, to light. There is a way that leads to life. You want to be on the right path. The wrong path may look very attractive, but if it's the wrong path, remember, every path goes somewhere, and it can be a very pleasant path that takes you to a place to die. Continuing. First, you must hate his turning you out of the right way and and also your own willingness to consent to his counsel. You must hate it because this is to reject the counsel of God in exchange for the counsel of Mr. Worldly Wise Man. The Lord says, strive to enter through the narrow gate the narrow path to which I send you. That gate is narrow, and the way is hard, but it leads to life, and those who find it are few. From this narrow gate, you will find the way that leads to it. Has this wicked man turned you, and by so doing, he's almost brought you to your own death? You must hate that he turned you out of the right way. And you must hate yourself for listening to him. Secondly, you must abhor his effort to make the cross loathsome, ugly to you. For the cross is what you are to prefer above all else, even more than all the treasures of Egypt. Besides, the king of glory has told you that whoever finds his life will lose it. And if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Anyone who tries to persuade you otherwise 
is opposing the only true path by which you can have eternal life. And you must hate all such directions. Thirdly, you must hate that he directed you into a way that leads to death. You must also know that the person to whom he sent you and how unable that person is to deliver you from your heavy burden. The person to whom you were sent for relief, whose name is Legality, is the son of the slave woman who, with all of her children, is still in bondage. The mountain that you feared would fall on your head is Mount Sinai. Now, if the slave woman and all of her children are in bondage, how can you expect them to set you free from your burden? This Mr. Legality is not able to loose you or your burden. No man has ever gotten rid of this burden by Mr. Legality's help, nor are you going to. You cannot be set free by the works of the law, for by the deeds of the law, no man living is able to get rid of his burden. Let me put it another way. You can't get on the right path by trying hard. You can't get on the right path by trying hard. The right path is a gift that Jesus wants to give you. I spoke with one dear person, and she said to me, when I was just a little girl, I made a decision that I did not want to be a bad girl. And all of her life, she has followed the narrow path through that sheep gate. And if you were to talk with her today and say, are you happy you stayed on that narrow path? She would smile broadly and say, yes, it's the most wonderful path in all of the world. What path are you on today? Have you made that decision in your heart that you are going to be good? Well, there is a way you can be good, but it's not by keeping the law. It's not by hard work. It's not by trying hard. It's a gift of God. Mr. Worldly Wise Man is an alien, and Mr. Legality is a cheat. As for his son's civility, notwithstanding his pleasant looks, He's nothing more than a hypocrite who is also unable to help you. Believe me, there is nothing in all the noise that you must hear from these dull men but an intent to rob you of your life by turning you away from the way in which I have directed you. After this, Evangelist called aloud to the heavens for confirmation of what he had said. And with that, there came words and fire out of the mountain under which poor Christian stood that made his hair stand on end. The words that Christian heard were these, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now Christian looked for nothing but death, and he began to cry out desperately, even cursing the time that he had met with Mr. Worldly Wise Man, calling himself a thousand fools for listening to his counsel. 
He also was greatly ashamed to think that this gentleman's arguments, flowing only from the deception of the flesh, should have persuaded him to forsake the right way. After this, he approached Evangelist with the following words and thoughts. Sir, what do you think? Is there hope for me? May I go back to the way and up to the sheep gate? Will I be abandoned for this and sent back from where I came, disgraced and ashamed? I am sorry I listened to Mr. Worldly Wise Man's counsel. Can my sins be forgiven? Then Evangelist said to him, Your sin is very great, for by it you have committed two evils. You have forsaken the way that is good, and you have walked in a forbidden path. Yet will the man at the gate receive you, for he is a man of good will. Then Evangelist warned Christian to be careful and not to turn aside again, lest you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Then Christian asked to go back to the way leading to the narrow sheep gate. An evangelist, after he had kissed him, gave him a smile and bid him Godspeed. So Christian went on with haste. He spoke to no one as he quickly returned to the path that led to the small sheep gate. And if anyone asked him a question, Christian would not even give him an answer. He went like someone who was treading on forbidden ground. He could not think himself safe until he had once again gotten back on the path he had abandoned to follow Mr. Worldly Wise Men's counsel. So after a little while, Christian arrived at the gate. Now over the gate there was written, Knock, and it will be opened to you. Christian knocked. Christian knocked more than once or twice, saying, May I now enter? Will he within open to pitiful me, though I have been an undeserved rebel? Then will I not fail to sing his lasting praise on high? At last, a very serious person came to the gate, whose name was Goodwill. Goodwill asked who he was, from where he had come, and what he wanted. I'm a poor, burdened sinner, Christian said. I came from the city of destruction, but I'm going to Mount Zion, so that I may be delivered from the wrath to come. I am informed that though this gate is the way to safety— and I want to know if you are willing to let me enter in. Oh, I'm willing with all of my heart, said he, and with that he opened the gate. As Christian walked through the gate, Goodwill pulled him in roughly. Christian asked, Why did you pull me in so forcibly? Goodwill told him, A little distance from this gate there stands a strong council, a castle of which Beelzebub is the captain. From there, both he and those who are with him shoot arrows at travelers who come up to this gate in order to slay poor sinners before they can enter into safety. Then Christian said, 
I rejoice and I tremble. So when he was safely in, the man at the gate asked him who had sent him. Well, we'll end our story there today, but let me just ask you a few questions. Do you know what the right path is for your for your life? Do you do you know what is right? When I was just a little boy, four and five years old, I already knew that my path was to be a pastor. I knew it was the right path for me. I knew that Jesus was calling me. I used to go home from church and I would cry, five and six years old, and I would say, I want to be baptized. My mother and father would say, Raymond, wait, you're not old enough to be baptized. But oh, I wanted Jesus. That was my whole heart. I wanted to do what was right. I wanted a path to heaven. What do you want? What path are you on? Well, we'll continue this story. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. This has been another edition of Pilgrim's Progress Storytime. God bless you. I love you. Uh